You're listening to the Colts Blue Zone Podcast with Mike Chappell and Dave Griffiths. Hello, Colts fans, and welcome to the Colts Blue Zone Podcast. My name is Joe Hopkins. With me is Mike Chappell, and we're here to discuss what can only be described as an embarrassment from Sunday when the Colts were dismantled in the fourth quarter by the Dallas Cowboys. We'll recap the game. We'll discuss takeaways from that game, at which there are some substantial ones. We'll also take a look at where the Colts stand in the draft in the draft order, that is, which at this point in the season is my favorite part of the show. But before we get into all that, Mike, how you holding up? Holding up pretty good. It's funny, I'm I'm old enough to remember when that game was 21 to 19, you know? <laughs> yeah, no, no kidding. Uh, they, they, the Colts played just well enough to give us hope going into the fourth quarter, and then that evaporated quickly. But let's go step by step here. The Colts at four, seven, and one, visit the Cowboys, who eight and three in week 13, prime time matchup for Indianapolis, who is without right tackle Braden Smith and cornerback Kenny Moore in this game. But regardless, no Kenny Moore, the Colts defense still gets off to a good start with a three and out. Fair catch interference on the punt sets the Colts up at their 47. And what did they do with that great field position? You guessed it, a 50-yard field goal. Chase McLaughlin connects from 52 yards out, 3 to nothing. Colts early. Dallas's offense wakes up on their second drive, and they go 73 yards on 12 plays, including a 4th and 1 conversion. Then CeeDee Lamb caps off the drive with a 20-yard touchdown on a catch and run. Uh, I think it was McLeod who tried to tackle tackle Lamb, but Lamb landed on the defender's body and was never actually down. Heads up play by CD to keep going. Cowboys take the lead 7-3. Colts would respond with a nice drive of their own, however. A couple solid Jonathan Taylor runs sets up a 45-yard bomb to the rookie Alec Pierce. Ryan just threw it up, and Pierce came down with it. A couple plays later, Ryan hits Ashton Doolin in the corner of the end zone. He beat Trevon Diggs for his first touchdown of the season. Just like that, Colts retake the lead, 10-7. to Amazing what can happen when you throw deep, Mike. Yeah, I remember talk, talking to Reggie Wayne a couple days earlier, and it was about Alec Pierce, and did he hit the rookie wall and this, that, and the other. And Because the last month he's had, like, what, four catches? And he said, no, it's really been, he, he, it's been a function of what's going on out there. And he said, this guy is a, right now in his career, is a deep ball receiver. He said, that's just who he is. And he said, we need to take more shots. He said, you know me, I'd like to take a shot a, a quarter. Because it just, it does a lot of things. First, it might give you the big play, but it makes the defense be honest and, and, and not squat all these routes. So it's good to see him take a few more shots in this game. Yeah, it seems like. From game to game, who's going to have the big day really varies. It was Pierce in this one last week. It was Jelani Woods. It'd be great if one game we can get you know everybody going at the same time, but we'll, we'll tap the brakes here. We may, might be asking too much. Uh, after the dueling touchdown, the team's within trade punts, second quarter now. Cowboys' fourth drive, and Dallas takes advantage of good field position. Tony Pollard and CeeDee Lamb set up first and goal. Pollard would punch it in for the touchdown, Cowboys back on top, 14-10. Indianapolis looking to respond. They pick up a couple first downs and enter Dallas territory, but on third and five, Jonathan Taylor can't pick up a blitzing linebacker. Colts punt after the sack and pin Dallas back at their 12. 
A couple C.D. Lamb end-around runs give Dallas some breathing room. But on third and 10, Prescott's pass is picked off by Stephon Gilmore. The veteran returns it to the Dallas 19. Mike, Gilmore is playing at an extremely high level this year. So many people were wondering what were they getting from, what was he, 2019 Defensive Player of the Year. He's been their best defensive player. He just has. You know, won him a couple games, and he, he just seldom gets beat and makes plays that make a difference. And this is this was a play where he kind of got physical with the receiver and, and came away with it. So kudos to him. I'm wondering if he, if he regrets coming here with the way the season has gone, but he's more than held up his end of the bargain. Yeah, I saw during the game, Kenny Moore tweeted that Gilmore is the best defensive player he's ever played with aside from the Maniacs. So high praise from his cornerback teammate, Kenny Moore. Uh, Gillilock gives the Colts a prom opportunity to take back the lead. Instead, they gain just three yards and settle for a field goal after Matt Ryan's third and seven pass is too far out of bounds for Kylan Granson. McLaughlin's kick is actually blocked but still somehow finds its way through the uprights. We're looking at a 14-13 to 13 game with two minutes before the half. Cowboys looking to score, but on third and five, Prescott doesn't see anything he likes, and he's taken down by Quiddy Pay. His fifth sack in eight games for Pay, who is finally back and healthy for the Colts. Dallas punts to the Colts with a minute and 30 left before the third quarter. After a couple incompletions, Colts face a third and 10. But then Ryan finds Paris Campbell for 13. Campbell gets out of bounds with a minute six left. A couple plays later, Ryan throws a slant to Pierce. The ball's tipped up into the air, and former Colt Malik Hooker comes down with it. He returns it all the way to the Colts' 26 before finally going out of bounds. And the turnover results in a touchdown for Dallas. On 39 from the 13, Prescott buys time and hits Michael Gallup, who trots on into the end zone 21 to 13 at the half. Both teams start the third quarter with a three and out. The Colts' second drive of the half uh, starts at their own 10-yard line, but a 19-yard Jonathan Taylor run gets things going. Then on third and two, Ryan hits Pierce for 14. A couple plays later, Campbell gets 10 on second and nine. Then a screen pass to Taylor gains 19 more. The Colts are in business at Dallas's 22. A, f- a few plays later, the Colts are facing a fourth and one. Coach Saturday opts to go for it, and Ryan gets just enough on the QB keeper. First down at the 12 turns into second down at the 15 after a three-yard Taylor loss. But Ryan will go back to his guy, Alec Pierce. Uh, who, in the end zone, Ryan just kind of throws it up, and Pierce uses that big body to make the catch for the score. Mike, another example of giving your young playmakers a chance. Whether it's Pierce or Michael Pittman or, you know, not so much maybe Paris Campbell, but give him a chance to make a play. You know, we saw that last year with with uh, Carson Wentz and Michael Pittman. Those were almost more jump balls, almost by design to maybe get a DPI. But give these guys a chance to make a play. That's what Alec Pierce's strength is. It's getting deep, it's getting vertical, and it's getting up and making the contested catches. We've seen Michael Pittman do that a lot as well. So it's I don't know whether they 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 don't they I don't know whether the Colts don't trust protection to hold up to take the shots or whether Matt Ryan doesn't trust his protection. But you've got to take these shots and give your receivers a chance to make a play. Especially because not a whole lot else is going right for you. So might as well just hope a guy can make a great play 
After the score, the Colts go for two to tie things up at 21. Ryan rolls to his right and throws to Campbell, who can't handle the pass. No good. It stays 21-19. to 19. We enter the fourth quarter with the Colts trailing by just two. Let's don't. Let's just let's just stop here. And it was twenty-one to nineteen, <laughs> and you know it's a pretty good game. Can can we do that, or do you think we really need to finish this up? If you had shut the game off after three quarters, you probably went to bed feeling pretty good last night, yeah. hanging in there with a top team in the NFC on prime time. I mean, like I said at the top of the show, the Colts gave you just enough hope to think to make you think they might be able to do it. And then they were hit by an absolute avalanche. The so, Cowboys. So, would, so we're going to go on, aren't we? We're going to finish this. We got it. Okay. I, I mean, I'm here for a reason. Uh, okay. Like, all, I, right. I, I, all right. All right. Hey, it's your, <laughs> it's, it's your show. I'm, a, I'm along for the ride. Go ahead. <laughs> Don't worry. I, I got it highly condensed here. The Cowboys would score 33 unanswered, aided by four consecutive Colts turnovers. Mo Alley Cox had a fumble returned for a touchdown. Two awful Matt Ryan interceptions set the Cowboys up in good spots. And, I mean, the game would not be complete without a Matt Ryan sack fumble. Final score, 54-19. to Mike, have you ever seen a fourth quarter implosion like this before? No, no, I've seen the flip side. The, the Tampa game, when Peyton came back from 35-14, but not like this. It, it was unbelievable how whatever they did was wrong. And not only wrong, but it cost them. Uh, I think the 33 points was it the second most scored in league history in the fourth quarter. I think it's what they said, second or third most. And it's the most points the Colts have given up in any quarter. They've given up 28 three times. But it's just hard to give up, give up that many points because generally you don't get enough possessions. But when you're turning it over like that, and they just about took the uh, Matt Ryan sack fumble in for a touchdown, but he was uh, the, the the defender was ruled down by contact because when he was scooping up the ball, he was sort of nudged by Will Fries, I think it was. But you just want to say make it stop, and I, I just it, it's it was hard to watch because what else could go wrong, and the, the interceptions were bad. Molly Cox was it was a positive play until it wasn't. So it it was just it was unbelievable how a game that was twenty one to nineteen ended up fifty four nineteen. Unbelievable. Yeah, I saw Nat Newell of the Indy Star had a, a interesting tweet. It said the Cowboys thirty three point fourth quarter differential ties the NFL record first set in nineteen twenty five by the Chicago Cardinals over the Milwaukee Badgers. That is all time bad for the Colts right there. Um, before we get into takeaways here, need new windows? Contact your hometown team today. Hometown Window and Doors are Central Indiana's premier, locally owned, full-service Anderson window dealer with master installers. From design to installation, the hometown team handles it all. They carry unlimited options with competitive pricing. Call them direct to get 35% off your windows through December 15th. Hometown Windows and Doors gives you all the perks of a national brand with that hometown feel. Visit them at hometownwindowteam.com today. All right, Mike, takeaways. 
which are really giveaways. The offense can't stop turning the ball over. Five turnovers for Stallis led to 29 points. On the season, the Colts have allowed 93 points off of turnovers. That's nearly a third of their total points allowed. 26 turnovers leads the NFL, as do Matt Ryan's 13 interceptions, as do his five lost fumbles. And in fact, his 14 total fumbles are a franchise record. As a team, the Colts have fumbled 30 times, of course, the most in the NFL, and they've lost 12 of those, also the most in the NFL. Their minus 14 turnover differential is tied with New Orleans, who plays tonight, Monday night. Mike, this offense just can't get out of its own way. The fumbles are are unbelievable. 30 with, what, uh, four games to go? I I, I lose track of how much longer this is going to go on. 30. And they've lost 12. I mean, think if, think if they're not covering all those. I mean, they could have 16, 18, 20 turnovers. And it's not been that long ago in Frank's Frank Reich's second and third year that they, they tied a franchise record with like five, the fewest, with five fumbles. It, it's crazy. It's it, And keep in mind, there was almost another when Jonathan Taylor stretched out. Remember, he stretched out and the ball came in. He was down. But it just shows you how close it is. And again, Molly Cox who's not a fumbler, but, but he's making – probably going to pick up the first down. I think he had just about the first down. And so it, it's been everybody. And I don't know what that is. I, I – it's they, – they, they, they're like every team, and they, and they practice and they focus and they harp and they stress and they emphasize ball security. I mean, what are you supposed to make these guys do, walk around a complex with a football? Yeah. You know, and, <laughs> and, and have people poke at it when you walk by them. I don't know. It, it's – you know, the, the, the ones on Ryan, he's had, I think, is 14 now, and he's lost five. A few of them are those early season where the center snaps, but the, the, the majority have been the, the sack strips. And you just have to, when, when you're around angry people, protect the ball. So I don't know. They're, they're, I'm not saying they'd be much better without the, the turnovers. They, they probably would. But th- this is a flawed team. But there's hardly any teams that can deal with this kind of turnover. 93 points on turnovers is ridiculous. It's just ridiculous. But at some point, this is who you are. This is a team that can't take care of the football. I don't. Why would it? Why would it? You know, get any better over the last four games, the last month of the season? So you're going to walk away from this season saying can't protect the quarterback, can't protect the football, can't win. That's where they are. That's that's where they are. That's who they are. Yeah, not, not much else to really say about that. You can't hang on to the football when it's right there in your hands. I don't know what you're doing out there. But what I do want to talk about, takeaway number two here is, in my eyes at least, Matt Ryan looks about done. I, I, there's no little to no zip on his passes. The ball just hangs up in the air on him. Uh, he and his receivers look out of sync, which can kind of be understandable to a certain extent extent you get hurt during the year you get benched you're on a new team but it was supposed to look a lot better than this at 37 he's also not nimble enough to consistently escape pressure the lack of arm strength and athletic ability makes it really hard to come by big plays in this offense when your quarterback is so um, I, I guess limited in those fashions my first question to you is will Ryan finish the season as a starter real good question and and we asked that 
to Jeff Saturday today after the game. You know, he said, "Hey, it's five minutes after after a beating. You know, whatever I give you now won't be a good answer." But they're gonna they're gonna have to talk this week. What it's what I asked him today is, how do you balance over the last month of the season trying to win? Because they're going to try to win. I mean, that's this is their job. You and I are here after a crappy game because this is what we do. We, we've got to do this. And that's what the team does. At the same time, you've got to be evaluating for the future. And that's one reason that Bernhard Ryman is at left tackle. And Will Fries is at right guard. Is What do you have? You know, are, are they part of your future? And I asked him, how, how do you balance that with, with – evaluation and winning and, you know, and, and might you need to change quarterbacks? And he, he he didn't give a definitive answer. He said everybody, everything will be under evaluation. And I don't know how you go on with Matt Ryan. I just don't know how you do it. Uh, having said that, we expect Nick Foles or Sam Ellinger to be, you know, better. They'll be different. And if they make a change, I don't know how you go back to Sam. I I, I just don't. I so if you're going to make that change, you go with Nick Foles, which we might we need to note that he was the backup. They moved him to backup last night, and they put Ellinger back to to three. And no nobody's been jerked around more on this team than Nick Foles. I mean, I you know he he's been backup three, backup three. So we'll see. I I tend to think they'll make a change. And I don't think it'll make a difference. Yeah, I don't, I don't think it'll make a difference in the season. But at a certain point, I remember when Ryan was, I guess, quote-unquote, benched the first time. It's kind of weird to call it a benching when he well, was actually injured. When, when he couldn't play anyway. You're right. You're right. But but but, yeah. but, but they benched him, but it coincided with, with the shoulder injury. And it also – do you remember what game that came after – was that the nineteen ten, to ten? Nineteen to ten Tennessee game. Tennessee game. Matt Ryan was not playing well, but he wasn't playing this bad. I remember at the time our main, I guess, complaint was still the pass protection, which I will say, I think has improved the last several games. I, I, Ryman had his moments Sunday night where I think he did have a couple penalties or at least one, but overall, I mean, he gave Ryan time from that left side over there. I don't think Parsons got a sack. They definitely got to Ryan, uh, but usually they would have to bring pressure and blitz. That's part of why they did so much better uh, earlier in the ball game is uh, they, they, the Cowboys weren't blitzing as much. They were trying to get to the Colts with their front four, their defensive line. And then the Colts were actually doing some things on them. So they brought the blitz and then uh, all hell broke loose because the Colts can barely handle a stunt, let alone a blitz. Did, did you did you get the impression that I think two of those sacks were on the running back, Taylor? Yeah. I mean, I I know it's a it's a tough task to do, but that's what you do. So I I thought that the 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 first one I noticed he went outside when I've got my numbers mixed up. A number six for Dallas comes right up the gut, and Taylor kind of flared out to the left to take a guy and. You gotta block. You gotta block inside out, and I thought I thought one later was on him as well. So it, it's it's understandable that that the quarterback feels the pressure because it's there, and that I think he's hearing ghosts because why wouldn't you? But boy, you gotta help these guys when it comes to pass protection. It's not always the offense. It's not always the five guys. It's the tight ends. 
it's a running back. It, it's receivers getting open, but I thought two of those sacks were on, were on JT. Yeah, I agree. I guess that's kind of our answer when we were questioning earlier, why is Deion Jackson in the game in a two-minute drill? Why was it, you know, it was less of a question when it was Naheem Hines because he was such a good pass catcher, but Jonathan Taylor's never really had that role. Um, definitely not known for that at Wisconsin. That was one of the knocks against him in his draft. He was more of a pure rusher. He didn't really have the experience in the passing game, and that's kind of showing up now. Um, but the offensive line at this point, uh, uh, back to what I was saying, I know I'm d- taking a long way to say this, but the offensive line has gotten better. The biggest problem now seems to be Matt Ryan can't stop turning the ball over. Um, do you think, obviously we both think he'll be benched at some point if he keeps playing like this. Do you think he'll be back next season if he gets benched? We were talking in the, in the press room last week about this, and, and my initial reaction was yes. Because let's say you're gonna, they're gonna have to take a quarterback in, in the first round or, or in the draft. Let's say in the draft, first or second round, but you're not gonna get a guy that's ready to play. You just aren't. So whoever you bring in, it's got to be with the idea that this other guy starts. Sam Ellinger, I mean Nick Foles, uh, and, and it's harder and harder to argue. I, I said Ryan would be back when we were just shooting the ball in the press room. You know, you're already on the hook for like $18 million, and if you bring him back, it's an extra 17 But if you don't bring him back and save 17 you're going to pay X number of million for a veteran guy to come in again and play babysitter. But with what we've seen, I don't know how – I'm less and less likely to think he returns. Is the lack of arm strength now a reflection of the injury he had to his sprained shoulder? Or is it he's 37 years old? I, I don't know. But as, as easy – and just Saturday brought this up last week or the week before. It's easy to get rid of guys. It's easy to to, to sit Bernhard Ryman. It, it's easy to do this. But then you got to replace him with somebody. So let's say that you're going to draft a guy and you're not bringing Matt Ryan back. Then what do you do? And I realize it's it's – it's common and it's easy to say, well, of course you get rid of him. You're going to sort of replace him, but with who? Uh, you know, Derek Carr, Marcus Mariota. Uh, I don't know. I don't know who's, who might be out there. Baker Mayfield. You know. They, oh gosh. Uh, well, I know. I, I know. <laughs> I uh, saw that news today. I said, please, for the love of God, do not bring in Baker Mayfield. So I, they're just. And we may have touched on this last week. They're just in such a bad situation. Because until you get the quarterback figured out, everything else is sort of on pause and secondary. And, you know, let's say they get the third-best quarter, quarterback in the draft, and there's no assurance of that. They probably will. But that, that, that solves potentially your long term. But you've got to still take care of next year. And I, I, I just – I think I've seen enough of Sam Ellinger to believe that he can be a decent backup and and keep a game going and maybe win a game, you know, short term. I don't see him as being a 16, 17-game starter. I just don't. And I don't see Nick Foles being that. So, hey, okay, let's let's cut Matt Ryan. Cut him tomorrow if you want to. I mean, you know. Cut Let him, him go play for the 49ers. I saw that. And somebody, a buddy of mine that emails me all the time says, you know, 
What if they, they waive Matt Ryan and, and with the idea that that uh, Frisco would pick him up and all that? Well, if, no one else would pick him up. I mean, that that, that, that could work. But I just – then you've got the, the $18 million next year that's guaranteed to worry about. So there are there are different things to worry about, but okay, let, let's let's do it tomorrow. But all that does is it it it, it eases your mind that he's, he's not going to have any more turnovers. But it doesn't solve the problem at all. And again, I don't know how you fix this. They're in so deep with where they are. I don't know how you fix it, but they've got to fix it somehow. It's at this point in the season, Matt Ryan would have to have a real nice finish to the year to for, and, for me and, to and even what, consider and what, and what does that mean no turn i mean the raiders game the raiders game yeah if he can play about like that for the rest of the year which that was a bad raiders team that's a bad raiders defense there's a reason the colts were able to win that game but if he can play like that maybe you consider bringing him back and letting him tutor a young quarterback because by all reports he's been uh, he would be a great example to follow of how you conduct yourself and be a professional in this league at quarterback and someone who's done it at a very high level. But other than that, if he's not good enough this year, he's not going to be good enough next year. I, I say you're at, it's better to cut bait, save the $17 million, maybe go, I don't know, sign a guard or a tackle or something like that with that money, invest it into Taylor or Pittman who have contracts coming up, draft your guy and just let him – compete with Ellinger and Foles for whoever starts the season. And then if he beats him out, he beats him out and let him play. At this point, going into next year, if that's the route that the front office takes this offseason, they're not competing for a Super Bowl or probably not even seriously a playoff spot if you got a rookie quarterback like that. Obviously, those are goals, but they're not serious goals if you kind of restart with a young rookie quarterback. So I unless Matt Ryan really shows something this Towards the end of the year, I'm I'm kind of thinking the Colts might be better off saving that 17 million or whatever it is, and just letting letting the young guy have an opportunity at it because you don't want to pay 35 million basically for a tutor or a babysitter either. Yeah, I I, I think it, they won't say it's a money issue, but 17 million's a chunk of change, and like I say, I need to, I need, he'd need to in my mind really finish strong, like you said, and. With the schedule coming up, I don't know that that's very likely. You know, Houston Houston's is awful in 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 the final game, but it's I I think he's not back next year. You know, and I, and I've changed back and forth on that. I've just seen the arm lack, like you you mentioned, zip and accuracy and all that, which is kind of what's been his strong suit. Is the ball gets from here to there when it's supposed to and. The turnovers are just inexcusable and unacceptable. It was supposed to be Phillip Rivers 2.0, and it has not been nearly that good. Third and final takeaway here, the defense appears to be reaching a breaking point. Just one sack Sunday night. The team has now allowed 37 first-half points over the last two games, and opponents have rushed for 392 yards over the past two games combined on this defense while averaging 5.6 yards per carry. So it's not even like they're, you know, Cowboys were just up by a lot of points and were just running the clock out. They may have been doing that, but they were still getting good gains. And while this defense has played well in the third quarter, they seem to run out of gas by the fourth. Of course, it's hard to blame the D in this Dallas uh, game with all the turnovers. But, Mike, 
I think it's clear at this point. This defense has won, pretty much single-handedly won a few games for the Colts this year. I don't think they can really carry this team too much further. No, and I'd like to have seen, as difficult as those situations were in the fourth quarter, I'd like to have seen a little more resistance for Dallas scoring. Uh, it, it, it looked awful easy. I'll never say a, play, a, a player or a team has quit. I just I know what goes into uh, playing in this from, from being around it and, and talking to these players. I'm, I'm never even remotely pointing a finger at that. But they Dallas scored awful easy on some of those turnovers, and I just think that the, the, the defense is spent. It, it's given all it's got. And maybe they overperformed early through the first half of the season. And I think the weight's gotten too big on them. It'll help. It's going to help to have Quiddy payback. And again, Gilmore's playing his ass off. But I just think they've asked too much of this defense. And I hope they can finish strong. Because if not, the last four games, the last three games, I can't imagine Houston doing much. But. It's going to be tough if the defense can no longer hold up, more than hold up its end, because we know the offense can't. And it's a shame because it really was a good defense that was assembled. I'm sure having a healthy Darius Leonard in the middle would have made a lot of difference, getting those turnovers, making things easier on them. But going drive in, drive out, just trying to make a team punt over and over and over again without getting those turnovers is extremely difficult. Obviously, Gilmore was able to get one last night and the Colts just got three points out of it so uh, I got a feel for those defensive players who you know what are playing their butts off and it's not too late to reward the ones who are playing well by voting for them in the Pro Bowl Stephon Gilmore deserves to be in the Pro Bowl both D tackles Buck and Grover do as well Um, I would say at least those three deserve the recognition so go out and vote for those guys Uh, make sure they feel the love out there because they're, they're playing so hard and playing very well on a team that the offense is just holding them back. Need new windows? Let the hometown team help. Hometown Windows and Doors is Central Indiana's premier locally owned full-service Anderson dealer with master installers. From design to installation, we handle it all, carrying nationally known brands like Anderson with more options and competitive pricing. Call us direct and get 25% off your windows if you buy within the next 60 days. Please contact your hometown team today. We are Central Indiana's premier locally owned full-service Anderson dealer. National brand, hometown feel. All right, Mike, I did not spot any injuries in this game. Is there anything that I missed? No, uh, Jeff Saturday said there were no injuries from the game, which is a good thing. Here we go. There's our silver lining right there. Um, Let's go ahead and look at the playoff picture and draft order. If you're going playoffs, this won't take long. The Colts aren't technically eliminated, but they would need a miracle. Uh, Both the division appears out of reach with the Titans – at seven and five, and also the wild card uh, does not appear to be within the Colts' grasp either. The Jets are the lowest seeded wild card team, and they're seven and five as well. You put you put that in there just because you feel obligated to put in the fact that they're not eliminated yet, right? Until they're eliminated, I will keep the playoff picture in there. So, so you're the, um, you're the guy who understands when when the network puts up to the playoff picture, and in the hunt, they always put the Colts in there when they were like four, seven and one in the hunt. So you, you sort of understand that. 
Yeah, I, I wouldn't. Go, I do, but I wouldn't go that far. There's a difference between being not technically eliminated and being legitimately in the hunt. See, see where, where they are now, the body's on the ground and the hand's twitching. They're not, de- <laughs> they're not dead yet. The hand's twitching, so they're still alive, okay? That's a very morbid example of you, Mike, but I like it. Uh, let's look at the draft order because that seems to have more life to it. With that loss, the Colts have now moved from the 14th overall pick to the 9th overall pick if the season were to end today. The Colts are one of five four-win teams. Of course, the tie from that week one Houston game makes them the highest-ranked four-win team. Carolina is the lowest-ranked four-win team with the fifth overall pick. So the Colts heading into a bye week uh, is good news for them. Hopefully some of these four-win teams can pick up some W's this weekend, and the Colts can just keep inching closer and closer to not the top pick overall. Houston's basically got that wrapped up. They still have just one win on the year. The picks two, three, and four are all three-win teams. I was really rooting for Denver to beat a Lamar Jacksonless Ravens team, and, of course, they, they just couldn't do it. Um, but there's a lot of time for this draft order to fluctuate, Mike, with the remaining schedule of, uh, of course, the bye week, which I mentioned, at Minnesota, and we learned today that that game will be played at 1 p.m. Saturday, December 17th. You can watch it locally on Fox 59, but that will be a Saturday game. Um, And then after Minnesota, the Colts host the Chargers on Monday Night Football. Chargers just lost to the Raiders, go figure. And then the Colts travel to New York to play the Giants on New Year's Day. And, of course, they finish up the season at home against Houston. But, Mike, looking at that schedule and kind of breaking down where the Colts are, I think it's very viable that the Colts finish this season and go into the spring with the top 10 pick. Well, yeah, I, I thought all along there was a chance they could beat the Giants. I realize the Giants are in the thick of the race in their division, but I just thought they didn't really shock me or, or put any awe into me. But but they find ways to win. and they're gonna, and Or at least tie. <laughs> or at least tie. And they're going to need that game. They're going to need that game. So it's it's funny because after the game last night, Jeff Saturday mentioned he told the guys well, we're in gut check time. Well, a week before he said he went in and told them that this is where you're going to define who you are. So I don't know how much more of that he can pull out. But you're pulling me over to the dark side to where it's all about draft order now. And and they need they need to get as high as possible because they they got to take that quarterback. And uh, the, the better draft positioning – to some degree, will will lower what it's going to take to get even higher, as far as giving up. Because they're going to aren't you, aren't they going to get, get up in the top five, top four? Most likely, most likely. You're looking at Chicago's the second overall pick. They have Justin Fields, who's really um, shown a lot of promise this year. You got the Eagles own the Saints pick, and the Saints pick six overall. Obviously, the Eagles. Uh, don't need a quarterback. I'm sure they'll be extending Jalen Hurts this offseason. Um, but uh, some of these other picks, Seattle has Denver's pick at third overall. You don't know how they feel about Geno Smith long term. I would say they probably re-sign him and maybe draft somebody. Same with the Lions. Um, who own Well, the Lions own the Rams pick, and the Rams are fourth. So the Lions, do they stick with golf? Do they draft his eventual replacement? They're probably going to draft somebody when you're drafting that high. Um, although golf has played decently well this season. So 
Like you said, uh, another team that's in front of them, although I don't think the Jaguars are going to trade with the Colts uh, so that their division foe can draft a quarterback, but the Jaguars don't need a QB at seven. The Cardinals don't need a QB at eight. So there's several teams picking in the top 10 ahead of the Colts who don't necessarily need a quarterback. Um, but of course, doesn't mean some of the lower teams who do need a quarterback won't trade up ahead of them. So the Colts are going to have to trade up as high as they can to go take their guy. And the, the worse they finish, the better draft pick they get. Like you said, the less they'll have to give up to flip with another team who doesn't need that QB. Yeah, and, and as some guys have mentioned in the press room, if, if if you lock on a guy who you think is that guy, not the top two quarterback, but, but let's say the third guy, then you don't worry about the cost. It, the cost doesn't matter. It may hurt, but you, you do whatever it takes to move into that spot to get the third quarterback or whatever. I, I just I can't see them, them having a chance at the top two guys, but they probably have a shot at the third guy. And whether it's Chris Ballard or the new GM or whomever, you simply do whatever it takes as far as draft picks to get the guy because until you get the guy, you're 4-8-1. And who knows, if Chicago finishes with that second overall pick, maybe they'll be able to bolster up enough to trade with Chicago and get that second guy, whether it's um, you know Stroud from Ohio State, Bryce Young from Alabama, the Kentucky kid is rising up draft boards. He might be some team's second or even first quarterback on their board. Who knows? It's all You never know how it's going to fall. I remember there was a lot of surprises a few years ago when San Francisco took Trey Lance third overall. That's still an extremely fascinating quarterback draft, looking at Lance, Mac Jones, Justin Fields, uh, Trevor Lawrence. It seems like year by year how we would rank those guys seems to change. Um, So there's a lot of time still left, a lot to be determined. Four games left in this season. Of course, as we mentioned, the Colts heading into a bye week, and so will we. No preview show this Thursday because there's nothing to really preview. And, of course, nothing to recap on Monday. But we will be back next week to preview the Colts' road trip to Minnesota. So thank you so much for listening. Please subscribe and download for us. Follow Mike on Twitter at mchapel 51 You can follow the Blue Zone on Twitter at Colts Blue Zone. We'll, we'll keep coming at you with Colts content even through the bye. And until next week, take it easy, Colts fans.